Welcome to Transforming Minds, a podcast series for business leaders and marketers looking to challenge the way they think, act, and behave. The podcast is brought to you by the team at Mopass, the brand transformation agency. We strive to transform our clients' businesses through insight, strategic thinking, and astonishing creativity. Our goal is to drive growth in all its forms through genuine partnerships that are both challenging and inspiring. So if you think you're ready to rethink your business approach, this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to the Transforming Minds podcast. I'm your host, Katie Vickery, brand strategist at Mobus. And today we are lucky enough to have a TEDx speaker with us. Um, He's built and sold three technology companies and has consulted large financial service organisations on emerging technologies. Fascinating subject. Um, I also know that he's incredibly passionate about entrepreneurship um, and also the ethical and societal impact of emerging technology. I have a feeling that this conversation is going to blow my mind a bit. Welcome to the podcast, Charles Ratcliffe. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. That's quite an intro. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing so, Charles? Yeah, very good. Very good. You've got to be really careful what you put on your LinkedIn profile because when you hear it, <laughs> it suddenly sounds like um, yeah, somebody, somebody you wouldn't want to meet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very impressive. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much, Charles, for uh, joining me today. So for those of our listeners who haven't seen your LinkedIn profile, would you just be able to tell them a little bit about yourself, just sort of as a bit of an intro? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I've got a, a, a strange background, I would say, um, in that I, I worked my entire career in tech, but very nearly didn't go into tech. My dad told me I'd never make any money with this tech thing and I should do something more respectable with my life and be a lawyer. <laughs> Instead, of all things, um, and I think as a lesson as a parent, not to uh, not to not to impose your own fantasies on your on your kids. But uh, anyway, I ignored I ignored my dad, um, and after graduating law school, went into technology. And as you say, I've um, I've been on both sides of the entrepreneurial journey. I've um, I've been in a position where I've, I've been selling technology to large organisations, and the um, the sector of focus for me has been financial services. So it's particularly interesting because it's so highly regulated. Um, and on the other side of my career, I've, I've worked in uh, senior innovation capacities for large uh, financial organizations, buying technology from entrepreneurs like like myself. So it's been a really interesting journey on both sides of uh, on both sides of that. Fantastic. Well, I bet, I bet that's been really interesting having those kind of different aspects to your experience, I suppose, and being able to see both sides of the coin. I've just been really interested. So. Many businesses have been embracing emerging, emerging technology, and it's clear that um, you know technology can you know help to businesses save time and money and improve reputation. How have you seen businesses engage or change their approach to digital transformation? When I think about um, what a lot of companies or what a lot of people talk about when they talk about digital transformation, I think of it as you know just just doing it properly and and doing it how it how it should be done. Um, I remember working with an insurance client a few years ago. Um, talking to them about um, some of the ideas that they had about automation and you know, where they were stuck was very much, you know, they had multiple IT systems and they had a lot of people employed to you know, type things into one computer looking at another computer screen. And and I described that as, I think it was you know, 2015 at the time, I said, you know, it's, 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 it's insane in 2015 <laughs> to have people doing that job. Um, and he said, "Well, if you think that's insane, then welcome to the madhouse." And I think that's the truth is a large, a lot of large organisations are madhouses in that regard. And I think that's a great thing. It's, it's hard to see a positive in COVID, but that's one of the great things about the last few months is that um, it's really forced organisations to to address some of those things and look for the efficiencies, not because it's saving time and money, but because it's a necessity 
Um, and um, and so hopefully a lot of the disciplines that have been learned um, in a hurry over the last few months uh, will will stick, and, and that will be great for everyone. Absolutely. And um, just to kind of um, pull on that subject a bit more, you talk in your um, your TEDx talk a lot about you know the robot revolution and. I think some people think this is classic, you know, robots are going to take our jobs <laughs> and they think of it as a bit of a scary thing. But you talk a lot about um, how we can utilise technology to, you know, replace human labour, but in a, in a positive way. It's not doesn't have to be this scary thing. So tell me a bit more about that and the positives of, of AI and what what good things that can bring to sort of the economy, I suppose. Yeah. OK, so when I was asked to do that, that TED talk, I was just um, just leaving a role as um, uh, the head of technology for a large um, investment bank, and so I was looking. I've been looking at automation technology quite significantly over that over the last few years before that point. And I think for me, what was um, what was most concerning was some of the some of the studies that had been done around the impact of AI and automation on the on the economy as a whole. Were you know thirty percent of jobs will be impacted over thirty years, or forty percent of jobs over forty years? It's you know kind of between those two numbers is is where the consensus tends to lie. But that's looking at the economy as a whole, and within the economy as a whole, there's lots of people like you know people like my mother who was a hairdresser, mm-hmm. um, and you know that's a very difficult job for a robot to do. That level of dexterity is is very hard. But also hairdressing is a is a is a therapeutic process quite often for the client. <laughs> Sharing, sharing their concerns and their hopes and dreams. And so you know, that aspect of it is very, very hard for machines to, to take over. But when you're looking at a bank or, or a, a particular organization, but in my case, it was a bank, um, you're looking at 100,000 people that are currently employed to do you know, swivel chair, data entry activity and lots of other <laughs> stuff. And if you, look at, if you look at those roles and say to yourself, which of those roles are susceptible to automation or which of those, um, you know, are, are likely to be impacted by some of the technologies we're bringing on? You, you get a very different picture. And so, what actually we did was we we turned that on its head and said, well, which roles would be undesirable? And and you know, those are the jo- jobs which um, have high elements of what I call human touch, and that's what I describe in my my TED talk about talking about human touch. But the problem the problem is is as a larger organization, if you if you if you do that analysis, you 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 may come to a conclusion that actually quite a significant number of your people might be susceptible to automation. And then I think you owe, owe a responsibility to those people to have a an honest conversation with them about their future and their skills and their preparedness for the digital economy, the AI enabled economy. Um, and not to just say, yes, this is a productivity aid, it's gonna save you you know, two mouse clicks every minute, um, because the truth is, you, you know, you're implementing it with a return on investment in mind. So I think really, um, you know, I, I, I think that organizations need to have some of those controls, some of those, that governance in place in order to, um, to be sure that they are, they're dealing responsibly with, with automation. And, and, and that's been a sort of feature of, of, of my work. I would say, you know, the positives that, that come from AI and automation are, are easy for people like myself to identify and I think there's enough there's enough kind of hope and and um, possibility promoted by some of the tech vendors I think what's um what's missing from the future of work debate is you know I I do actually I'm one of those people that does agree in in the sort of medium term there's probably um lots of opportunities for new jobs and new types of employment being created by AI but what I what I'm concerned about is the gap um, and I think when people talk about the industrial revolution as the as the analogy, well, look, you know, we we created lots of machines in the past, and it's all led to the kind of the good the good times. The 20th century was 
the time of full employment and, and the good times. What they miss in that is actually during that process, during that shift, and that shift was a long shift, it was a multi-generational shift, um, you know, places uh, like London were, were pretty miserable for a lot of people for a long period of time. And I'm not sure society is, um, is strong enough to bear that, that sort of um, shift. And that's what I worry about. We've seen quite a dramatic shift over the last few months and, you know, 12, 14, 16 weeks of lockdown, and we're all pretty fed up with it. I don't think we could bear 16 years of, of, of you know, the inequality and, and, the, and the problems that might stem out of, of, of getting the technology automation question wrong at a systemic level. So that's really what my, my TED Talk is about, is yeah. how do we overcome those anxieties and how do we find hope in that, uh, in that, in that confusion and those, and those questions? Absolutely. And I suppose that leads me leads nicely on to my next question, which is, you know, what are the dangers of leaders being caught on the back foot by, you know, being slow to embrace emerging technology? Well, I think I think we should accept in 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 working in a, in a digital transformation industry that leaders will always be slow to um, embrace tech. Um, and, and it's and it's the job of people like me to evangelize and to and to help them find the opportunities. I think it's it's really critical that people like me make sure that the opportunities are well grounded in terms of strategy and nested into the organization strategy. Yeah. And secondly, that the that the return on investment is is quite clear. I, I've always been a strong believer, and I think this is something as an entrepreneur you learn by necessity that every opportunity has to have some sort of payback. It might not have an instant payback, but it, it, it might be a long-term payback, but it, you need to be thinking in those terms. And if you can't articulate what's the value of this, either in terms of cost, risk, or revenue, then then it's probably, um, maybe not a bad idea, but maybe there's a, there's a higher priority idea. I think one of the, the difficulties, though, that um, quite often um, is seen a, a, in, 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 in leadership of, of organizations, particularly organizations which tend to be quite slow uh, to change and adapt is that it's very hard for them to visualize the impact of a, any one particular technology. And I was working um, for the last few years in, in um, the asset management industry, which is a very sleepy, a traditional <laughs> culture. Yeah. And um, the story that I I had to tell many times there around um, around you know why chatbot technology, conversation agent technology would be so impactful it was grounded very much in you know the conversations that my predecessors would have had twenty years ago. So you know, twenty years ago, people like me were saying you know we need to build for the web, we need to look at what the web is going to do, and the dinosaurs that ran firms in the asset management industry would have said you know why would we need to do that we've got color brochures <laughs> that's what our customers want um and um, then 10 years ago people like me were saying we need to build mobile apps and the dinosaurs that ran the firms then um would have turned around and said why would you need to do that we've got a we've got a website um and then now people like me are saying you know it's, it's chatbots conversation agents and you know alexa integration etc and you know the dinosaurs are saying, well, we've got we've got an app strategy, we've got a website. You know, what else is this going to bring? And I think within that, there's clearly a, a question of you know this is just a new channel. But but the second layer to this is actually looking at how each of those tech shifts really changed the marketplace. The web um, made some mum and pop shop outfits um, able to compete with large brands. It was really a question of how well did you rank on a search engine, and that later became not just a search engine, but 
the search engine. Um, and then how good does your website look? How professional does it look when you when you land there? How good is that user experience, the user journey? And that was a democratization, really, um, process that happened 20 years ago. But the app ecosystem was a very different type of shift because there it was aggregators who really won out. And so, you know, t- today, sitting here in 2020, it doesn't really matter who's insures my car. I'm just simply looking at what's the best price I can get on a, on a comparison service. And quite often the relationship with that the comparison service will be incredibly sticky because I'm not going to try five different comparison services. I'm just going to find one that works for me. And so really that completely altered the market forces, the market dynamic in, 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 in certain things like travel, car insurance and, and, and other places as well. Maybe not pensions and, and asset management, but I think the the it shows how traditional structures can 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 be shifted very quickly by by new tech um, um, possibility coming to fore. And so for me, that's really the, the question about things like chatbots and conversation agents. While on the face of it, it might just look like another channel. On the face of it, it might just look like you know something to plug into the website. The question really is is how is your organization going to adapt um, to the different market forces? Because one thing is very true. It won't be it won't be your device. It won't be your piece of plastic and glass that your customers are going to be talking into. It's going to be Amazon's or Google's or somebody else's. And it's also very unlikely that the skill by which they access your services through is going to be a skill that you provide. Um, it's going to be something much more generic, like finance or travel or lifestyle. And within that, there's buried many, many different capabilities. So really, it's a question of trying to decide where do we want to play 10 years from now? Which part of the ecosystem do we want to have strategic um, dominance in and, and have integration points with? And that's a much, much bigger question than simply, you know, where do we want to put, put a chat, chatbot on our website? And so I think that's where leaders need help from, you know, people like me. Um, because for me, it's much easier to see the parallels from what's happened in the past and, and what's now in front of us. And you know, I think it's important for people like me to tell those stories in order to hopefully um, make people realize that you know, it's not just another, another bit of tech, it's actually potentially uh, a, a disruptive force. That's really, really interesting. And I think, again, obviously this, this podcast is called Transforming Minds and it's all about... Um, you know, off the back of the current situation we find ourselves in, unprecedented times, etc. Um, you know, it, it's it's made people work differently. Businesses have pivoted. It's it's incredibly fascinating how how the economy is changing, and I'd I'd really be interested to get from you. You know, what an understanding of what impact COVID will have on attitudes towards emerging technologies. You talk about you know the last ten years, twenty years, and you know, how, how people are, you know, these dinosaurs are having to learn and, you know, what's going to happen in the next 10 years. But with regard to COVID, what 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 change do you think that will have on people's attitudes towards emerging, towards emerging tech? Yeah, I think I think there's there's, there's one aspect I'm, I'm, I'm particularly focused on, and that's um, how to address trust and technology. And so, you know, from, in, my own, in my own case, um, this has been something I've been concerned with for a number of years. I used to run a data science company, and... Uh, because of my legal background, I was probably one of few people who, who very in those very early days, spotted the fact that data science had social impact, and it actually was the role and responsibility of companies in that space to 
maybe push back on some of the commercial opportunities. But I was very outspoken with those ideas 10 years ago. And then Cambridge Analytica happened. And then everyone went, oh, <laughs> there is a dark side to tech after all, potentially. And then, um, you, know, I, 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 you know, I would say that in 2019, um, there was a increasing momentum towards looking at questions of trust and technology without singling out any particular company. Um, there's been lots of inst- instances of high-profile tech companies who previously could do no wrong, previously were heralded as being, you know, the the, the epitome of human civilization, coming under a barrage of, of criticism, not just by the press, but by ordinary people as well. Anyway, then COVID happened, and um, I was very much planning to focus on that problem and um, and focus on consulting work around governance of, of technology um, and also look at how do we start to rate and compare organizations? Um, how do we move out of the subjective and, and, and start to look at, you know, how do we compare, you know, Facebook against Twitter? How do we compare Huawei against Hewlett-Packard Enterprise? It's not just the headlines. It's what actually do those companies have in place in terms of governance and controls? And then, then COVID happened, and um, I was very worried for a few weeks, not just about the, the macro situation, but also that what I was planning to really uh, make my niche was going to become a, a luxury item, was going to become a, uh, you know something which was not important. And then suddenly um, it became very clear to me that um, actually COVID has, has probably made it more clear than anything else that trust in technology is is a critical issue and, 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 and firms of all kinds need to address it. And the proof point for me was contact tracing. When in the UK... Prime Minister Johnson stood up and said, you know, we're going to, you know, restrict people's movements, we're going to close shops, we're going to close places of worship. You know, those those are words you don't hear um, <laughs> very many times in history, other than in highly dysfunctional countries. Um, and we all pretty much accepted um, a, a massive erosion into our civil liberties without too much squealing about it. We, we realised it was important and we, and we got on with it. But then, 10 weeks later, when Apple and Google uh, and the NHS uh, proposed contact tracing technology, people refused to download it. They refused to use it. They um, highlight concerns about what's happening to my data. Can I trust the use of this data? What's going to be used afterwards? Is this going to set precedent, et cetera, et cetera? And quite a lot of the debate around, look, it's safe, you know, honest, was was focused on making sure that the technical aspects of it were strong and robust. But really, that's not what people are asking. People are are saying, you know, maybe there's a point by which tech should not be, um, you know, in, 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 in incursion, the, the incursion of tech shouldn't, shouldn't go further into my life. And I think that's a question that hasn't really been answered by the tech industry or by society as a whole over the last 20 years. And so to me, there's a massive contrast with, um, you know, on the one hand, we accept the, 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 the loss of our civil liberties without, you know, much, much pushback. On the other hand, we refuse to use technology which would have such minimal impact on our day to day, but potentially could save lives. You know, that loss of trust in tech is, is, is pretty catastrophic. And now as we move into a rebuilding phase and you know, companies are looking at you know, bringing people back into their offices and their, and their future plans, you know, things like, you know, temperature checking technology in, in, in hotels or in office 
um, foyers, you know, the scrutiny over those things, make sure that those things are implemented properly and are secure and concerns are properly addressed is going to be so critical. Because I think if if we don't address those things in, in a proper way, we're, we're going to see a lot of pushback. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's now more and more clear that, you know, we've become a hugely more reliant on tech thanks to COVID. And the question now is, as we rebuild, how strong is that reliance going to persist? And, and how well do we manage the governance questions um, to make it not just safe for people to, to use tech at scale, but for them to be, you know, confident uh, in, in, in it? And, um, and so, yeah, I hope. I hope that we we answer that question quickly because if we don't, I think we're going to see, you know, more more crazy stuff like people burning five G masts and you know all those sort of things. You know, <laughs> it's 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 um you know it's on the one hand you can look at it and you know like you have it you laugh you know I I you know I, for me it was despair when I when I read those stories but I think it actually points at a deeper at a deep more deeply rooted problem which is um you know people don't trust tech in the way that we did. A decade ago and that and, and that trend has to change and if we don't change that trend we're going to miss out on a huge amount of benefit so fascinating speaking to you you have exceeded my expectations <laughs> thank you so much for your time um and i hope our listeners have got a lot out of today because i've you know it's been really really interesting speaking to you and um and hearing all about the wonderful work you've been doing so thank you so much for your time and um take care thank you and can i just make a shameless plug for if, if people are interested <laughs> Thank you. If people are interested in this, I've got a paper. They can, if you if you simply Google MIT TechLash, as in MIT Technology Review, and TechLash as in you know the backlash against technology, um, the first result you should get on a search engine should be a, a link to an article I wrote at the start of this year, which sets out some of the things I've talked about today in um, a little bit maybe a little bit more articulate than I managed to do on this podcast. <laughs> That's really great. I'm sure our listeners will, will enjoy their reading that. But um, you've been fantastic. Thank you so much, Charles, and I uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you, Katie. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Transforming Minds podcast from Mobas, a brand transformation agency. Whether your business goal is to expand, modernise, become more profitable, attract talent, investment, or simply to accelerate your business growth, the Mobas team will unlock the value within your firm harness it to drive growth and success. Visit mobas.com for further advice and insights and to discover more about the Mobas approach. The podcast was hosted by brand strategist Katie Vickery with music from Joseph McDane. Thank you for listening.